Welcome to Beyond Our Focus. I'm Stefan, this is Amanda, and this is Let's Palaver About Wizard and Glass. The fourth novel in the Stephen King Saga of the Dark Tower. So we're in part three? Part three. Chapter two. two. The Girl at the Window. And we know this as pretty much Roland's description, of, or just Roland's, I guess, name for Susan throughout this book. Or... I guess not Roland's, just Stephen King's name for Susan throughout the entire series is The Girl at the Window. Yeah, some interesting things. Interesting, I don't know. There's it's a- one small <laughs> piece of the entire chapter, but so vital, it seems. Oh, as I say, because, yeah, throughout the series, he talks about The Girl at the Window, and then you're like, oh, this is why she's called the girl out the window. But it's so... It's yeah, so it is, it's little, it's tiny, it's pretty much into... Ex- I would say insignificant except for Cord, because she... Yeah. 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 <sighs> yeah. Anyways. We get a nice introduction that means absolutely nothing. Yep, yeah, another one of these, just kind of what's going on. Yeah, it's pretty much just saying that now we are in deeper into harvest season, people are getting ready for reap, they're bringing out their pumpkins. Ta-da! We're not quite there yet. Yeah. I mean, I was in a dollar store the other day and they had, they had a whole bunch of Halloween stuff. And I'm yeah. like, we're not even in September yet. I mean, I'm fine with that. Bring out the Halloween. Just a little early. No. A little early. If they can have, if they can bring out Christmas in like June, okay, I'm done. <laughs> Just a little early. No. But the second little piece here is uh, right where we should be starting. <laughs> yeah. This is slightly more important. Blah. Uh, Rhea cared not a fig for reaping dances or carnival games, but she could no more sleep than those who did. Most nights she lay in her stinking. Pallet until dawn, her skull thudding with rage. On a night not long after Jonas's conversation with Chancellor Reimer, she determined she determined to drink herself to oblivion. Her mood was not improved when she found her gaff barrel was almost empty. She blistered the air with her curses. Of course she did. Because nothing says evil witch woman than just, you know, cursing out loud to yourself. I mean, come on. She couldn't get drunk. She couldn't kill herself with drinking. (laughs) There we go. She was drawing in a breath for a fresh string of them when an idea struck her. A wonderful idea. A brilliant idea. She had wanted Susan Delgado to cut off her hair. That hadn't worked, and she didn't know why. But she did know something about the girl, didn't she? Something interesting, I... So it was very interesting indeed. Rhea had no desire to go to Thorn with what she knew. She had a fond and foolish likely hope that the mayor had forgotten about his wonderful glass ball. Yeah, not a chance. No. I, 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 yeah, I'm glad you're obsessed with it and you th- maybe... No, not a chance. It's way too important. It, it's one of those things where it's like, if you feel this obsessive over it, he probably feels the same. He just can't do anything about it because it's collateral right now. Yeah. Uh, but the girl's aunt now. Suppose Cordelia Delgado were to discover that not only was her niece's virginity lost, the girl was well on her way to becoming a... 
<laughs> Practice trollop? Reed didn't think Cordelia would go to the mayor either. The girl was a prig, but not a fool. Yet it would set the cat among the pigeons just the same, wouldn't it? <sighs> and then she was in a good mood and was able to sleep. Yeah, pretty much. She And she welcomed Musty back with open arms. Yes. The cat she's been abusing this entire time because it sat in her lap when I don't she know was if it's trying to... No, it's down here at the bottom. Good old Ermont apparently still alive, yeah. too. Yep, Ermont's still there and apparently still able to keep her as happy as ever. Yeah. We're just going to keep it at that. Yep, 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 yep. You gross. You nasty. Okay. I'm surprised the snake's alive. Well... She wasn't feeding the cat. I figured nothing else the cat would eat it. Yeah. But, I don't know. Snakes snakes can hide pretty well. Still. But. Plus, the snake probably had a, a, a way outside compared to the cat. Very possible. Very possible. Remember your promise, Elaine said nervously as they heard the approaching beat of Rusher's hoofs. Keep your temper. I will, Cuthbert said, but he had his doubts. As Roland rode around the long wing of the bunkhouse and into the yard, his shadow trailing them to open, and they did. Oh, whoops. In Trailing out in the sunset. There we go. Cuthbert clenched his hands nervously. He willed them to open, and they did. Then, as he watched Roland dismount, they rolled themselves closed again, the nails digging into his palms. Another go around, Cuthbert thought. Gods, but I'm sick of them. Sick to death. See, Cuthbert is not really doing well with Roland's situation. <laughs> no, because Roland being real stupid. Not only is he prolonging them, not sending out any news, not telling anybody about the tankers, not telling... But it's too late now. Yes, it's too late it's to tell anybody. It's too late now. Not only that, but it's a mixture of you're the first person to have a girlfriend and she's the most beautiful thing in the world. You're not... You're making a stand here and do nothing. He'd be and real you're not stupid. Telling anybody. He'd be real stupid. Yes. Everything that conspires through the rest of this book is his fault, in my opinion. Yes. He did this. Mm. Ah, Roland. Not as wise as you are now in your older age. Says, what advice can they send us? If we knew that, he had replied, we wouldn't have to ask, Roland, would we? We can only wait and stop them when they make their move. It's comfort you're looking for, Cuthbert, not advice. Mm. You mean wait while you scurry in as many ways and as many places as you can imagine, Cuthbert mm. thought. Mm -hmm. You're not thinking clearly about this, Cuthbert said coldly. He'd heard Elaine's gasp. Neither of them had ever said such a thing to Roland in their lives. And once it was out, he'd waited uneasily for whatever explosion might follow. None did. Yes, Roland replied. I am. And he had gone into the bunkhouse without another word. See, I just disagree with you, Roland. I don't think you are. I really don't think you are. You're love-struck. Now watching Roland uncinch Rusher's girths and pull the saddle from his back, Cuthbert thought, You're not, you know. But you better think clearly about this. By all the gods, you'd better. <laughs> so you kind of does, just a little. Just Roland. Little. Roland. Roland. Mm. <sighs> of course, Cuthbert's like, busy afternoon? <laughs> he felt Elaine kick his ankle and ignored it. I've been with Susan, Roland said. No defense, no deemer, no excuse. 
He's like, Cuthbert's just like, mm. I want to kill you. I'm going to kill you. <laughs> we were on the docks, Cuthbert said, his tone a thin imitation of his usual brightness. Counting boots and marine tools and what are called clam drags. What an amusing time of it we've had. Hey, Al, did you need me to help you do that? Roland asked. Roland, I'm just going to smack you myself personally. <laughs> um, we went back... To- yeah, he went back to Russia and took off the saddle blanket. Is that why? Is that why you sound angry? If I sound angry, it's because most of the fishermen are laughing at us behind our backs. We keep coming back and coming back, Roland. They think we're fools. Roland nodded. All to the good, he said. Perhaps Elaine said quietly, but Reimer doesn't think we're fools. It's in the way he looks at us when we pass. Nor does Jonas. And if they don't think we're fools, Roland. What do they think? Roland stood on the second step, uh, the saddle blanket hanging forgotten over his arm. For once, they actually seemed to have his attention. Cuthbert thought, Glory be and will, wonders never cease. They think we're avoiding the drop, because we already know what's there, Roland said. And if they don't think it, they soon will. Which we already know this from the previous conversation, the last chapter. That's exactly what they're starting to think. Reimer, Reimer wants to convince Jonas that that these these kids are more trig. They're they're they know they know about the drop, and Jonas is like they're not that smart. They're not that smart. Jonas. <laughs> but apparently, Roland is not at the moment. Jonas, Jonas, and Roland are both just not thinking as clearly as they no, should. No, Jonas thinks they're dumb kids. And then Roland is just in a trance. Cuthbert has a plan. Roland's gaze, mild, interested already, started to be not there again, shifted to Cuthbert. Cuthbert the Joker. Cuthbert the Prentice. Who had no way earned his guns, he carried east to the Outer Crescent. Cuthbert the Virgin. An eternal second. Gods. I don't want to hate him. But don't but I don't. I don't, but now it's so easy. We too should go to the we too should go to the sheriff Avery's tomorrow, Cuthbert said. We will present it present it as a courtesy visit. We have already established ourselves as three courteous, if slightly stupid, young fellows, have we not? To a fault, Roland agreed, smiling. We'll say that we finally finished with the seacoast side of Hambury, and we hope to be a, a very every bit as meticulous meticulous on the farm and cowboy side, but we certainly don't want to cause trouble and be in anyone's way. It is, after all, the busiest time of the year for ranchers as well as farmers, and even citified fools such as ourselves will be aware of that. So we'll give the good sheriff a list. Oh my goodness. Even in this moment, I feel Cuthbert. Like, it's. Roland's eyes lit up. He tossed the blanket over the porch rail, grabbed Cuthbert around the shoulders, and gave him a rough hug. Cuthbert could smell a lilac scent around Roland's collar and felt an insane but powerful urge to clamp his hands around Roland's throat and try to strangle him. Instead, he gave him a perfunctory clamp on the back in return. 
Roland drew away, grinning widely. A list of the ranches we'll be visiting, he said. Aye, and with forewarning, they can move any stock they'd like us not to see on the next ranch, or the last one. The same for tack, feed, equipment. It's masterful, Cuthbert. You're a genius. Far from that, Cuthbert said. I've just spared a little time to think about a problem that concerns us all. That concerns the entire affiliation, mayhap. We need to think. Wouldn't you say? Alan, Elaine winced, but Roland didn't seem to notice. Of and it's just, Roland, 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 he's been so way over in left field for so long that it's like someone else thought of a plan, and he's like, aha! That's great. We thought I didn't have to do anything. Yeah, I don't have to do anything. And get, why do you need me? Well, you guys can go, right? You guys can take care of this. I can do my own thing. You have a nice day. Oh, my God, Roland. He paused, seemed to think, and then said, Why don't you and Elaine go see the sheriff, Bert? That would do very well, I think. At this point, Cuthbert nearly threw himself at Roland, wanting to scream, Yes, why not? Then you could spend tomorrow morning pronging her as well as tomorrow afternoon. You idiot. You thoughtless, love-struck idiot. It was Al who saved him. Saved them all, perhaps. Good, uh, good Elaine. Don't be a fool, he said sharply, and Roland wheeled toward him, looking surprised. He wasn't used to the sharpness from that quarter. You're our leader, Roland, seen that way by Thorne, by Avery, by the townsfolk, seen that way by us as well. No one appointed me. No one needed to, Cuthbert shouted. You won your guns. These folks would hardly believe it. I hardly believe it myself just lately. But you are a gunslinger. You have to go. Plain as a nose in your face. It doesn't matter which of us accompanies you, but you have to go. He could say no more. Much more. Or he, could, he could say more, much more. But if he did, where would it end? Would their fellowship broken beyond repair? Likely. So he clamped his mouth shut. No need for Elaine to kick him this time. And once again waited for the explosion. Once again, none came. All right, Roland said in his new way. That mild, it doesn't much matter way that made Cuthbert feel like biting him. To wake him up. Tomorrow morning, you and I, Bert, will eight suit you? Down to the ground, Cuthbert said. <sighs> Roland, Roland, Roland. Hmm. Cuthbert and Elaine looked at each other and let out their breath in a mutual rush. Cuthbert cocked his head toward the yard and went down the steps. Elaine followed, and the two boys stood in the center of the dirt rectangle with the bunkhouse at their backs. To the east, the rising full moon was hidden behind a scrim of clouds. She's tranced him, Cuthbert said. Whether she means to or not, she'll kill us all in the end. Wait and see if she don't. You shouldn't say such, even in jest. All right, she'll crown us with the jewels of Eld and we'll live forever. You have to stop being angry at him, Bert. You have to. Cuthbert looked at him bleakly. I can't. I think the first one's more likely. Yeah. Well, yeah, but just... Uh, you should have gone against Roland's wishes and did exactly just, what you did. Just do. sent a pigeon. Just should have sent a pigeon. He never would have realized. No. He, he wouldn't even notice. And then when they're like, hey. And then when, uh, when, Roland, when your father showed up and everyone else showed up, then you could be angry. But at that point, you couldn't do anything. Yeah. And at least they could do something. 
that's one of those moments where it's like the cavalry arrived, the day is saved, and you're just like, Roland, you can now live happily ever after, and we're going to continue our quest in a different direction. <laughs> like, yes, the cotet would be broken, but I'm pretty sure everything would have been fine. <laughs> yeah, you can talk to your father about running off with your ghillie. Yeah, pretty much. <sighs> so they make their journey down to Sheriff Avery's. It says, oh, now the two of them rode silently toward town, both lost in their own thoughts. Their way took them past the Delgado house. Roland looked up and saw Susan sitting in her window, a bright vision in the gray light of that fall morning. His heart leapt up, and although he didn't know it then, it was how he would remember her most clearly forever after. Lovely Susan, the girl at the window. So do we pass the ghost that haunts us later in our lives? Uh, I don't think I need to read that whole thing. No, that was yeah. the most important part. Yeah. It's the name of the chapter. It's the it's the description. The way he would remember her for the yeah. rest of his life. Roland raised a hand to her. It went towards his mouth at first, wanting to send her a kiss. But that would be madness. He lifted the hand before it could touch his lips and ticked a finger off his forehead instead, offering a saucy little salute. Susan smiled and returned it in kind. None saw Cordelia, who had gone out in the drizzle to check on the last of her squash and sharp root. That lady stood where she was in a sombrero yanked down on her head almost to the eye line, half hidden by the stuffy guy guarding the pumpkin patch. She watched Roland and Cuthbert pass. Cuthbert, she barely saw. Her interest was in the other one. From the boy on horseback, she looked up to Susan, sitting there in her window, humming as blithely as a bird in a gilded cage. A sharp splinter of suspicion whispered its way into Cordelia's heart. Susan's change of temperament from alternating bouts of sorrow and fearful anger to a kind of dazed but mainly cheerful acceptance had been so sudden. Mayhap it wasn't acceptance at all. You're mad, she whispered to herself, but her hand remained tight on the haft of the machete she held. She dropped to her knees in the muddy garden and abruptly began chopping sharp root vines tossing the roots themselves toward the side of the house with quick, accurate throws. There's nothing between them. I'd know. Children of such an age have no more discretion than, than drunks in the rest. But the way they had smiled, the way they had smiled at each other, perfectly normal, she whispered, chopping and throwing. She cut a sharp root nearly in half, ruining it, not noticing. The whispering was a habit she'd picked up on up only recently as reap day neared and the stresses of coping with her brother's troublesome daughter mounted folks smile at each other that's all same for the salute and susan's returning wave below the handsome cal below the handsome cavalier acknowledging the pretty maid above the maid herself pleased to be acknowledged by such as he it was youth calling to youth that was all and yet the look in his eyes and the look in hers Nonsense, of course, but but you saw something else. Yes, perhaps, for a moment, and it seemed to her that the young man was going to blow Susan a kiss. Then he then had remembered himself at the last moment and turned it into a salute instead. Even if you, de if you de did see such a thing, it means nothing. Young cavaliers are saucy, especially when out from beneath the gaze of their fathers. And these three already have a history, as ye well know. All true enough, 
but none of it removed that chilly splinter from her heart. You know, Cordola, you read way, way, way too much from a very brief passing glance. Yes, it's all true. Everything you said is true. I just, it's a little much. I don't know. Part of me, and maybe I'm just remembering something later on, but part of me thinks that Rhea is involved in this. I don't think in this particularly at the moment. I don't know. Because I, I could have swore at some, like, I don't know. As I said, I feel like it's it's not really the same thing. It's kind of the same thing as Roland and Susan and stuff, of course, being able to hear and feel that she's around. I think that Rhea has something to do with it, like whispering these little, little tiny bits of information. Because the, the only reason why I said that, it says... Um, the whispering was a habit she'd picked up on recently. Not picked up, picked up on recently. I don't know. I thought, uh, I thought good old Rhea makes it well known. Is she later how this works out? But I it could, could be, be. wrong. I well, know. as I said, as I said, it's either something I picked up later or just something that would make sense. But there's no telling. Yeah. We'll, we'll find out soon enough. I, <laughs> I guarantee it. So now we have arrived at the sheriff's office. Yep, good old Jonas. Entered Roland's knock and let the boy, the two boys, into the sheriff's office. He was wearing a deputy star on his shirt. He looked at them with expressionless eyes. Boys, he said, come in out of the wet. He stepped back to allow them entrance. His limp was more pronounced than Roland had ever seen it. The wet weather was playing it up, he supposed. We've all been there. You got a limp too? Just a hard limp. <laughs> I hate you, Jonas, but I know how you feel. <laughs> we can relate. It's like, there's a storm at work, and it's like, suddenly, oh, I'm an old lady. I can't do this. There's a storm coming, Mr. Wayne. Oh, jeez. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh. mm. Well, look here, Eldred, Reynolds said. It's two of the in-world boys. Do your mommies know you're out, fellas? They do, Cuthbert said brightly, and you're looking very well, Cy Reynolds. The wet weather soothed your pox, has it? Without looking at Bert or losing his pleasant little smile, Roland shot an elbow into his friend's shoulder. Pardon my friend, Cy. His humor regularly transgresses the, transgresses the bounds of good taste. He doesn't seem able to help it. There's no need for us to scratch at one another. We've agreed to let bygones be bygones, haven't we? I certainly, all a misunderstanding, Jonas said. He limped back across the desk and the game board. As he sat down on his side of it, his smile turned to a sour little grimace. I'm worse than an old dog, he said. Someone ought to put me down, so they should. Earth's cold but painless, eh, boys? Done at last? Their work wasn't so slow as we were. But coming here in disgrace was enough for us. We have no intention of leaving that way. Slow and steady wins the race, they say. So they do, Jonas agreed. Whoever they are. So they do, Jonas agreed. Whoever they are. I want to say it again because it's funny that way. <laughs> um, blah, blah, blah. I was just noticing how far away my picture was from yours. Yours was, like, right at the front of the yes, background. Yes, it was. Mine's like, woo! <laughs> yes, yes, it was. 
Cy Dearborn was just saying that their net counted days are at its end, Jonas said. He combed back his long hair and tips of his fingers behind him. Clay Reynolds had assumed his slouch against the the notice board, looking at Roland Cuthbert with open dislike. Aye, well, that's fine, that's fine. What's next, youngsters? And is there any way we can help ye? For that's what we like to do best. Lend a hand where a hand's needed, so it is. Actually, you could help us, Roland said. He reached into his belt and pulled out a list. We have to move on to the drop, but we don't want to inconvenience anyone. Grinning hugely, Deputy Dave slid his squire Mm -hmm. all the way down his own hillock. That sounds really disturbing. They're playing castles, okay? Yes. We we skipped that part, but yes, Jonas and Deputy Dave are playing castles. So he just moved his little guy out of safety thinking he had... How'd you manage that? Easy, Jonas smiled, then pushed back from the desk and included the others in his regard. You want to remember, Dave, that I play to win. I can't help it. It's just in my nature. He turned his full attention to Roland. His smile broadened, like the scorpion said to the maiden as she lay dying. You know, you knowed, which a weird way to say that, you knowed I was poison when you picked me up. Yeah, that's not hinting at anything while you're, no! staring, while you're staring at Roland. Not even a little bit. I mean, maybe you knew I was poison. You I mean, knowed. You knowed. Well, they that's speak, not even a word. They speak. They speak weird. You knowed. They speak it weird English. Uh, okay. She didn't see her mm-hmm. aunt standing in the chimney corner and watching her. So we are now with Susan again, back in the good old kitchen. Oh, yeah. And when Cordelia spoke, Susan was startled badly. It wasn't just the unexpectedness of the voice. It was the coldness of it. Do ye know him? The juice jug slipped in her fingers, and Susan put a steadying hand beneath it. Orange juice was too precious to waste. She turned and saw her aunt by the wood box. Cordelia had hung up her sombrero on a hook in the entryway, but still wore her serape and muddy boots. Her cuchillo... Cuchillo? Cuchillo? lay on top of the stacked wood with green strands of sharp root vine. Her tone was cold, but her eyes were hot with suspicion. A sudden clarity filled Susan's mind and all of her senses. If you say no, you're damned, she thought. If you even ask who, you may be damned. You must say, I know them both, she replied in offhand fashion. I met them at the party. So did you. He frightened me, aunt. Why did he salute ye so? How can I know? Perhaps he just felt like it. Her aunt bolted forward, slipped in her muddy boots, regained her balance, and seized Susan by the arms. Now her eyes were blazing. Beant insolent with me, girl. Beant haughty with me, Miss Oh So Young and Pretty, or I'll... Susan pulled backward so hard that Cordelia staggered and might have fallen again if the table had not been handy to grab. Behind her, muddy foot tracks stood out on the clean kitchen floor like accusations. Call me that again, and I'll I'll slap thee, Susan cried. So I will. Oh my god, I hate Cordelia so much. 
Cordelia's lips drew back from her teeth in a dry, ferocious smile. Ye'd slap your father's only living bloodkin? Would ye be so bad? Why not? Do ye not slap me, aunt? Mm-hmm. Some of the heat went out of her aunt's eyes, and the smile left her mouth. Susan, hardly ever, not half a dozen times since ye were a toddler who would grab anything her hands could reach, even a pot of boiling water on the... It's with thy mouth thee mostly hits nowadays, Susan said. I put up with it, more fool me, but am done with it now. I'll have no more. If I'm old enough to be sent to a man's bed for money, I'm old enough for ye to keep a civil tongue when ye speak to me. Cordelia opened her mouth to defend herself. The girl's anger had startled her, and so had her accusations. And then she realized how cleverly she was being led away from the subject of the boys of the boy. Ye only know him from the party, Susan. It's Dearborn, I mean, as I think ye well knew. I've seen him about town, Susan said. She met her aunt's eyes steadily, although it cost her an effort. Lies would follow half-truths as dark followed dusk. I've seen the, I've seen all three of them about town. Are ye satisfied? No, Susan said with mounting dismay. She was not. Do ye swear to me, Susan, on your father's name, that ye've not been meeting this boy, Dearborn? All the rides in the late afternoon. So insanely suspicious <laughs> over a little salute. <laughs> Cordelia's just convinced they're of screwing. Course. They're screwing somewhere. It's happening. There was a, yeah, they're. All over a. You guys acknowledged each other, obviously. Obviously, you've been together, you've ruined your promise, you can't do this anymore. It's just a lot of suspicion, a lot of accusations based off so very little. All the excuses, all the care that no one should see us, and it all comes down to a careless wave on our rainy morning. That easily all's put at risk? Did we think it could be otherwise? Were we that foolish? Yes. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, you are. And no. No, yes, yes. There is no no. There's only yes. I, I will swear to nothing, she said. Ye've no right to ask it of me. Swear, Cordelia cried shrilly. She groped out for the table again and grasped it as if for balance. You practically said yes. You, you're, you're totally meeting him. Swear it. Swear I'm it. not swearing. You basically said yes. There is. This is no game of jacks or tag or Johnny Jump My Pony. He's not a child any longer. Swear to me. Swear that they're still pure. Johnny is jumping some pony. (laughs) No, Susan said, and turned to leave. Her heart was beating madly, but still the awful clarity informed the world. Roland would have known it for what it was. She was seeing with Gunslinger's eyes. There was a glass window in the kitchen looking out toward the drop, and in it she could see the ghostly reflection of Aunt Cord coming toward her. One arm raised, the hand at the end of it knotted into a fist. Without turning, Susan put up her own hand in a halting gesture. Stop! Raised. In the name of love. No, this I mean, is not in the name of love. I mean, it, it pretty much is. Raise that not to me, she said. Raise it not, ye fool. She ye fool? Is that what she said? It was a little different, but... Yeah, it just a little... She saw the reflection's ghost eyes widen in shock and dismay. She saw the ghost's fist ra- relax, become a hand again, fall to the ghost woman's side. Susan, Cordelia said in a small, hurt voice, how can ye call me so? What so coarsened your tongue and your regard for me? Susan went out without replying.
You're an evil, evil little woman. You're such an evil You're woman. You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Essentially. Essentially. Oh, God. She's just, she's terrible. She's just terrible. She really is. Just like, my money is in jeopardy if you start fooling around with anybody. At this point, she's practically a pimp. Because, I mean, when it comes down to it, if there was no deal, if this was just an aunt with a daughter, she would not be this crazy unless she was training her daughter to be a nun or something. You're telling me. I hate Cordelia so much. <sighs> Back to the sheriff's office. We go. There, Sheriff Avery said, when Size Dearborn and Heath was gone. It's as ye said. Just slow is all they are. Just creeping carefully. He held his meticulously printed list up, studying it a moment, then crackled happily. And look at this. What a beauty. Har. Pirate. <laughs> We can move anything we don't want them to see days in advance, so we can. They're fools, Reynolds said, but he pined for another chance at them just the same. If Dearborn really thought bygones were bygones over that little business at the Traveler's Rest, he was way past foolishness and dwelling in the land of idiocy. Deputy Deputy Dave said nothing. Except for good old um, Jonas. Not particularly thrilled. No, he doesn't. He's he's just, he's not in a good mood. Nothing about this seems right. He's, he's, he's just, irritated and goes outside and is followed by, which one of them? Who is he followed by? Ro- Reynolds. Reynolds tries to follow him. Out. Out. Get away, Jonas said without turning. Clay hesitated a moment, then went back inside and closed the door. What the hell was wrong with you, Jonas asked himself. He should have been as pleased as the two young pups in their in their list. As pleased as Avery was. As pleased as Reimer would be when he heard about uh, the morning's visit, after all. He'd been told, he had told Reimer three days ago that the boys would soon be over the, on the drop, counting their little hearts out. Yes, so why did he feel so unsettled, so jittery? Because they still hadn't been any contact from Farson's men. Latigo? Because Reynolds came back empty from Hanging Rock uh, on one day and the pape came back empty the next? Surely not. Latigo could come along with a goodly troop of men, but it would still be too soon for them. And Jonas knew it. Reaping was still almost nine months away. Almost nope, a that, month. Wow. Where did nine come from? <laughs> Only a month, guys. Only a almost month. a month away. After I said nine, like, that seems really long. She's <laughs> <It seems laughs> thrilled. No. Oh, she's real thrilled now. Uh, so it's just the bad weather working on your leg, stirring up that old wound and making you ugly. No. The pain was bad, but it had been worse before. The trouble was in his head. Jonas leaned against a post behind the overhang, listening to the ring plinking. On the tiles, and though, and thought how sometimes in the game of castles, a clever player would peek around his hillock just for a moment, then duck back. That was what this felt like. It was so right, it smelled wrong. Crazy idea, but somehow not crazy at all. 
Are you trying to play castles with me, Sprat? Jonas murmured. If so, you'll soon wish you'd stayed home with your mommy. So he will. Ah. Everything goes exactly like Jonas said it was going to go. And it's like, I don't like it. Yeah. I don't like it. I know this is exactly what I said was going to happen. But I don't like it's it. It's like, I, I officially told Reimer that the kids are just fools. They're idiots. They're babies. They're babbies. They're babbies. They're just being slow. They'll be over there soon enough. And they now come that off someone... Like, we're being slow. We're coming over to the drop. Here's a list. Mm. <laughs> now I'm suspicious. Too suspicious. Cuthbert's good humor was almost entirely restored. Did you see them? He asked with a laugh. Did you see them, Roland? Will, I mean. They bought it, didn't they? Swallowed that honey hole they did. Yes. What do we do next? What's our next move? Roland looked at him blankly for a moment, as if startled out of a doze, that the next move is theirs. We count, and we wait. Cuthbert's good cheer collapsed in a puff, and he once more found himself having to restrain a flood of recrimination all whirling around two basic ideas. That Roland was shirking his duty so he could continue to wallow in the undeniable charms of a certain young lady, and, more important, that Roland had lost his wits when all of Midworld needed him the most. Except what duty was Roland shirking, and what made him so sure Roland was wrong? Logic? Intuition? Or just crappy old catbox jealousy? Cuthbert found himself thinking of the effortless way Jonas had ripped up Deputy, da- Deputy Dave's army when Deputy Dave had moved too soon. But life was not like castles, was it? He didn't know. But he thought he had at least one valid intuition. Roland was heading for disaster. And so they all were. Wake up, Cuthbert thought. Please, Roland, wake up before it's too late. At this point, unfortunately, it's already too late. You guys, pigeons. Should have sent pigeons. Tons of pigeons. Send the whole flock. We are, what, like two-thirds of the way through the book? Almost just about. And even closer to the end of this story. Where, where is the end of this story? Not that one. Positive. No, we're, I think that this is officially the end of this story. Really, really close to it. Not. I can't find it. Oh, that's going to be a long chapter. Oh, part four. Are we on part three or part two? We're part three. Okay, so then maybe part, just got more you. part four is... It's where we go 615. back. 615. 615 is part four. So we oh, still yeah. got a good... A, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, we got like 250 pages. 240 pages. Uh, and the next chapter Let's is... Let's see. We're, we're about... Yeah. But we're getting there. This is officially the beginning of the end. Yes. Next week will be chapter three, Playing Castles. And we'll be going... It's from... Two, oh, God, it's another short chapter. 370 to 387? 388. I know 387, right, because this is this. Oh, what a short chapter. I mean, we're 17 pages, so I'm not sure as I was thinking. It just looks yeah. tiny. So, no but worries. not too bad. Chapter 4, Roland and Cuthbert, because that sounds like it's going to be good. Yeah, no, I'm not, I, I'll be looking forward <laughs> to that one. 
I like Cuthbert. Yeah, he's 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 sensible. He's jealous. He's very very uh, jealous. He is jealous. But he's he's. But sensible. it still doesn't mean he's still right. Yes. Jealous or not, he's still right. They always leave poor Elaine kind of in the background. Yeah. He's always that third character that's like he's very sensible. But he, they just kind of leave him back there. We don't hear a lot. From I do on. find it interesting, though, that it, because he's left in the background, when he does talk, Roland's like, okay, I need to listen to this. Meanwhile, Cuthbert's over there like, I told you that. Roland. <laughs> <laughs> Little Cuthbert's just been screaming at him the whole free and nine. Like, oh, Elaine says it, and you listen to him. I say it, and you say I'm jealous. Yeah, you are. But you're still right. You're still right. Pretty good old chapter again. Sowing the seeds. I mean, again, this is this is officially the beginning of the end. The destruction will come. We've gone through three hundred and seventy-ish pages, and we have two hundred and like forty left. Uh, so three hundred pages of misery. We're about 65 percent of the way through this backstory. And see, the thing is, as much as I like the backstory, it's good backstory. It's good stuff. You just miss everybody. Yeah, I, I miss my main characters, and we get them. We get them back in the end of the book. There's a little like 150 pages or something yeah. with just them and the end of the story, which I enjoy. But, God. I mean, obviously, we have to get back to them considering we know where the glass comes in, but we still have wizards in glass and we have not met a wizard, so. Yeah, and this introduces the glass ball. Mm-hmm. The purple ball, or the pink, the, the pink, pink light. Yeah, the pink ball, which will come in a lot more yeah. <laughs> along with other... And then it's like, of course, we're going to have them back, considering that this is only the fourth book. So this is four out of eight. Technically seven seven main ones, and then the eighth one. Yes, a little side story, but... It's still the same cast, so we still have all of our group back. (sighs) We're getting there. We're getting there. We are officially getting there. Is good. Well, hope you all enjoyed, and I like this one. You know, it's spelling out the end. But I enjoyed it. I think next it's going to be good. In the, well, a couple of weeks will have a great one, I think. But I hope you enjoyed. Leave a comment down below. Let us know what you're thinking. Throw a like on here. Subscribe to the channel. We appreciate all those fun things. Oh, but as always, you can reach me at Stars and Travel. Reach the man at KZ Pop. Reach the show at Beyond Our Focus. Everywhere, including YouTube and podcast services around. Look at you. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. I think so, though. Think it's all around there. In the glass. I mean, some random ladies are saying we got things from like Sweden and everything. So that's around the globe. Just look into the glass. You will find us. We need a real one first. Just don't, you know, stare at it so long that you turn into Rhea. (laughs) Yeah, sucking your soul. No, just stop. Just, I'm just. You're reminding me of Always Sunny episode. Gotta get to the boy's soul. Well. Anyway. <laughs> you gotta pay the toll troll if you want to get into the boy's soul. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's an episode. It's an episode. It's funny. It's very funny. I have not seen. I haven't seen a lot of it, but I've seen this clip, which you're going to be seeing in a minute because it's funny. But, any final thoughts? I, I think we've had enough final thoughts. All right. Till next time. Long days and pleasant nights.